Welcome to the U.S. Glass Magazine Glass and Metal Industry Podcast. Real people, real conversations, real results. This podcast is sponsored by Western Window Systems. And now, here is your host, Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass Magazine. Well, hello. We'd like to welcome everyone to our U.S. Glass Magazine podcast on leadership, sponsored by Western Window Systems. And today we are so pleased to have with us Oliver Steppi, the president of YKK AP America, Inc. And he's got a very interesting past and perspective on leadership that he's going to share with us. In addition, Oliver also serves on the board of directors for the company as well. So Oliver, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a great opportunity and uh, I'm excited to share whatever thoughts I can that, that may be of interest to you and your, your listeners. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Really appreciate it. Well, one of the things I'm especially pleased about is that, you know, we've known each other for a long time over many years. Yeah. I don't want to date either one of us, but I always <laughs> learn something when you and I chat. So you've just hit your fifth year anniversary with YKK and being in the, the top seat, I'm sure has changed your perspective on leadership a little bit. Can yeah. you, t can you tell yeah. us how it's changed over that time? Sure, absolutely. And it's a good question. I, I appreciate it because it allows me to really, you know, sometimes what, what people don't do enough of is reflect upon, you know, where they've been and where they're headed. And, um, you know, it's, I think one of the things I've really learned uh, and perhaps evolved on is, is how different it really is uh, leading a certain segment of the business versus the total business. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, as you may recall, I, um, I've been with the organization uh, nearly 30 years, actually this year was my 29th anniversary. Wow. Um, but for the vast majority of my career, I oversaw certain segments or eventually larger segments of the business. But when I became president in 2016, I was responsible for the entire company. Um, you know, some things I've learned along the way is that that uh, words matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think they always matter when you're in a position of leadership, whether it's a small team or a department. Uh, and they increasingly matter as you you oversee larger scales of, of an enterprise. And when you're the president or the CEO of a company, I mean, they, they really matter. Um, people are, con you know, are, you, there's never a moment where somebody isn't keeping an eye on you or paying attention to you or um, which I found to be, you know, quite interesting. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, my natural style is more casual and conversational uh -huh. and, and having ideation. But I realized, you know, in my first year or two, you know, that can get me in trouble. <laughs> it's funny how um, that works, sitting, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting there talking with people. What do you think about this? Or what do you think? And then I hear, you know, a few days later, well, Oliver said, we're going to move in this direction and we're going to do this. I'm like, well, I didn't say that. So, right. so, you know, you have to, you know, be smart about, you know, how you communicate uh, and, and how you, you, you go about things and, uh, and your words really matter. I think also there's not my view or approach has probably evolved or, or changed in, in, uh, in a couple of areas. Um, one of them, I think I've evolved more towards, I guess, what is referred to as a, a postmodern style of leadership, mm -hmm. also much more participative and consensus-based leadership, you know, say as opposed to a more direct style. Uh, in my previous roles, I oversaw functional areas with a high level of personal expertise, um, You know, for example, sales or marketing or right. distribution. And um, when you become the top leader of an organization, in, in my ex uh, case, 
it was a much more diverse set of responsibilities. You know, I realized that I'm no longer the subject matter expert. Um, Mm -hmm. My team are the experts. So my role is much more to help set the high level tone, a vision or direction, and then more work more so to get our teams aligned uh, to meet overall organizational goals. Sure. You know, what's um, very interesting to me is your, your comment about how your words mean so much more than you intend them to mean. And, and additionally, you mentioned about enjoying that participatory type of management. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing to reconcile, right? Because the more participatory you are, the harder it is to give clear signals to people of what's going to be because you're trying to get yeah. an opinion. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think I've, I've you know, become more situationally aware, you know, participatory styles and uh, consensus bases can be very effective. I mean, you really can build a good team, but sometimes it's time to make a decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it's hard to find that consensus. And I have to be, or if you're the leader of the organization at the highest level, you have to be willing to pivot to that point. And sometimes those are very lonely places to be too. They can be. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Well, I know some of the tools that you use because they, they came up with you through the ranks as you grew in your position were, um, you know, you were into market research and, and in-depth anal- uh, analytics way before a number of other people and companies were. And how do you use those tools in your daily work? Yeah, you know, one of the things I... I think about is, you know, some leaders pride themselves on a set of keen sensory abilities and instinctual or gut responses to make a decision and lead. And, and I absolutely agree that that is an important aspect or element of leading, you know, but I also believe you've got to have facts and data to make the most informed decision. And I, I believe that this is inherently coming from my experience in development Mm -hmm. in a Japanese corporation, which is, you know, Japanese corporations are often known for a significant level of in-depth analysis in terms of the decision-making process. Um, so I've most certainly come to respect and, and, and utilize a significant level of analytics. Um, in terms of actual applications, you know, I don't know that it's, it's uh, unique to us in terms of what another major organizations might do, but we use analytics in virtually all facets of our business, whether it comes to strategic planning, uh, forecasting, new product directions, and also workforce strategy. Um, we're, we're actively engaged in, in, in understanding our workforce and, and, and what their needs are. Um, so we do it in, in many, many areas. Sometimes it's somewhat rudimentary and sometimes it's fairly sophisticated. But my advice to anybody listening would be is that if you're gonna get into you know, doing research and analytics, you have to be willing to let it be part of your decision-making criteria because Sometimes what the data tells you won't be what you want to hear, you know, what you're excited about in terms of a a strategy or a program um, might not eventually be borne out to be backed up by the analysis that you you did. Um, In a best case scenario, it helps reassure a direction that you're already headed in, but you also have to be willing to, to listen and, and act upon what you don't want to hear, if that makes sense. 
It does. It's it's, it's when your gut is going in one direction, but the numbers yeah. are going in the other, right? That's right. And I've learned the hard way sometimes on that point, to be frank with you. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I um, think we all we all have. You know, we've all yeah. had feelings that X <laughs> would work or Y wouldn't, and it turns out to be just the opposite. And it yeah. probably was in the data all along. That's right. Well, one another thing that YKK is very well known for is its innovation and products as well. And how involved do you, as as the leader of the company, get in those new product um, introductions yeah. and development in those sure, areas? Sure. I mean, um, I think in terms of my behavior and my advice to any uh, you know leader in, in in an organization that that develops products, you know, or or services as their product, is that a leader has to be very involved with the product strategy of the company. Now that's not because they know how to design or critique a product at a technical level and 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 I don't. Um, but uh, I think what's why it's more so important is because if you think about it, the products you make are truly one of the core the cores of your organizational existence and critical to the success of the company and its stakeholders, which are the customers, the employees or the, the communities where you employ. Right. I mean, if you don't have products that meet the needs of the market, and I want to paraphrase that with either known or unknown, you cannot exist or thrive. Um, I think about some of the innovations that have taken place. Some of the examples that come to mind for me are are, are more technology-based um, because, as we know, the construction product industry is not particularly fast moving it's becoming right. more nimble <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you think about you know uh uber you know when you're in, when you're in the city or in the suburb and you think about how am i going to get to point a or point b you weren't sitting there thinking about i really need an app that's going to tell that's going to deliver a car to me with usually within 10 minutes mm. to get me here from point a to point b and i've never got to touch my wallet cash or credit card but somebody realized that potential or that and they created a market, mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's, you know, um, what at a minimum level, a leader's role has to be at a high level sense of awareness of the market, uh, the regulatory influences, but also the societal influences that can affect the success levers in a particular business. And then you can provide provide marketing and technical teams with the inspiration and latitude to come up with new ideas and innovations. I think the leader leader's role uh, is initially more inspirational than technical, but can also eventually act as a critical eye to ask the tough tough questions like why does this product matter or what product does it solve. But I think mostly leaders should set the stage for technical teams, give them inspiration to think big ask the tough questions to make them deliver the best solutions and get out of the way. That's interesting because I've never quite heard it put that way, but it makes sense that the leader's role in product development changes over time. You know, it That's might right. begin as inspirational, but it definitely ends in a uh, kind of a technical yeah, area. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, as you can imagine, the, the designers or the programmers, you know, these products that they develop, whether it's a piece of technology or whether it's the new Apple phone or whether it's the new awesome unitized curtain wall system, these are products that they birthed. So right. it's sometimes tough for them to understand or visualize its gaps. Yes. And, um, you know, those are the interesting conversations, but they need to happen because eventually 
the organization will develop the better widget, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. And, and you know, Unitized is a great example of that because look at the development and change trajectory we've seen of that in just a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. It makes sense. And and Oliver, you know, you have you have one of the most interesting confluence of, of skill sets and also histories that I know of in the industry because I know you're originally from the New York area. And then I know that you are now running the North American business for a Japanese country company, which isn't all that usual either. And yeah. you have a plant in rural Georgia. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you use all those skills you learned in that well, very complex it, set of relationships there? Yeah, you know, I've never had anybody <laughs> quite put it that way. <laughs> and when you put it that way, it's almost like, you know, who am I and what am I doing here? <laughs> Which but, planet um, are you from? <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, I really don't know how to answer that question, and I'm not sure this would be a particularly, you know, uh, an answer to the exact question. But I think one of the the things that probably has given me the opportunities to, to succeed in relationships and business uh, has been my ability to communicate and communicate at at many levels, whether it's at, on a subject matter or or team members from any level or internally or externally. And this isn't something that I plan deliberately, so to speak. I, I, I think partly it comes from, uh, and I attribute it to my somewhat humble upbringing on Long Island, New York, mm -hmm. uh, growing up in a, a first-generation immigrant, blue-collar, working-class family. Um, I was, you know, I was the kid on the block who, when their mom or dad yelled out the window to come home, it came in a thick accent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. you know, dealing with a, and eventually working for a, 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 and, you know, a multinational corporation was not something that I was afraid of or, or different cultures. Sure. I think um, stylistically, when I, I think one of the things that helped me in a Japanese corporation, it's also been helpful in, in many aspects is, is when I'm communicating or when I try to convey an important message, I try to generally speak in very even keeled, simple styles using common language, which, as you know, is very un-New York-like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of shorthand go, in New York language, yes. Yeah, when I go visit my family and my brothers in New York, which I, I had the opportunity to do a few weeks ago, I can most certainly chop it up you know, when I have to, mm -hmm. um, yes, but I think it, the ability to effectively communicate is, is critical, you know, in any leadership role. I mean, if you think about it, you know, what, what good is it if you're the smartest person in the room or the one with the best idea, uh, which I am most certainly not always that person in the room. Um, but what good is if, if you are that person, if you cannot effectively communicate it and inspire movement or collaboration, you know, so I think Good it's point. yeah, communication, ability to communicate at multiple levels and on 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 uh, at, at the same level or dialect or context that, of your audience, I think is is really important. Let me kind of segue a little bit on that because sure. um, one of the things that's been really um, a privilege for me to watch is some of the programs that you've put in place. Um, mm -hmm. Your emphasis on diversity. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that you've done around the plants. Um, I noticed that YKK recently hired a sustainability officer. And, sure. and even though, you know, uh, there are some out there, that's not a particularly common thing yet. So can you kind yeah. of take us through some of those programs for the workforce? 
Yeah, sure. I think um, knowing your workforce well and knowing who they are, where they live, and knowing what's important to them is, is a basic step. I mean, you have to understand, you know, who you are in the ecosystem that you, 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 you exist uh, in order to help think about how to develop programs, you know, for the workforce and your, 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 uh, your employees, you know, this can be done through, it is often done through just talking and listening. Uh, it can be done, um, you know, very, you know, at a basic level and, or, or also can be done at a very formal level as we do, we do engagement studies, uh, and we do this at frequency, but I think, you know, what's, Equally important is knowing or paying attention to what is going on in the world and the communities around you, because this is what the employee's real life experience is. You know, their lives are not just impacted by what goes on in the workplace. It's also affected by what's going on in their lives when they go home or in the community. Um, And and whether that's related to to financial pressures or safety or, or even societal pressures, um, you know, you know, how they're feeling based on what is going on is really, you know, what we have to pay attention to. And quite frankly, you know, in that sense, it really has been an unprecedented past few years. Um, Very true. At least in, in my career, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's politically, socially, and never mind the global pandemic, you know, you know, through right. all of this, um, it's been quite a, a stressful period for a lot of people. Um, so I think that the, the workplace, you know, the way I viewed it and the way we viewed it here at YKKP in, in that context is that the workplace has to be a place of peace, safety, tranquility, and equal opportunity for all employees, you know, regardless of their background. Right. Um, Which is just think, the opposite of the outside world in many cases at this point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I realize and we realize that you know, everybody has their own life, different viewpoints, um, you know, and that's okay. I mean, it's not a monolithic world. Um, But when you're here, when you're in our ecosystem, this is a place of harmony and tranquility. It must be, Um, you know, our, our purpose is something bigger in terms of what we're doing in our industry. And we have to be cognizant of those individualistic views and needs but we have to make sure that when we're together, um, you know, uh, that we're a team, <laughs> you know, yeah. in contrast, you know, to what we see going on around us in our government and things like that. It's, it's highly divisive, right. but organizations cannot exist in, in that way. Um, and um, so it's that type of, you know, thing. And so I found that some organizations tend to be overly internally focused. Mm-hmm. So I really think it's important that, 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 that leaders and organizations, you know, uh, keep a constant eye on the, on the world around them and including the competitive landscape for talent, uh, from, a from a workforce strategy and benefit standpoint, uh, uh, um, a culture environment, you know, we've never limited our focus on how to compete just in the glass industry or in the building products industry. We've been focused on how to be the best employer period. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you can benchmark yourselves against, any companies in, 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 in the world or the United States. Uh, and there's lots of companies to look to for inspiration. Um, you don't have to go far. You can read a lot of articles about what a lot of awesome companies are doing. And you've got to think about how that, how, you know, what of those things that are good that might fit into your ecosystem. Um, 
and, and there's lots of inspiration out there. Um, and, you know, my advice to, 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 to leaders, whether at, again, at a smaller level, departmental level or a large level is, you know, avoid the, the eye candy, the flavor of the mm, day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen, I've seen us do that. I've done it myself, mm-hmm. but you've really got to think about, you know, what truly matters or try mm-hmm. to understand what truly matters to your people and then dig in deep. Okay. We're going to take a brief break. Uh, for a message from our sponsor, Western Window Systems. And we will be back after that. And Oliver, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you about your personal leadership heroes. Hi there, I'm Brian, and I'm a window nerd. And like everyone at Western Window Systems, I'm hooked on high-performance doors and windows that can help you build better. Got questions about configurations for a new construction project? Fire away. Curious about factory glazed options for a multifamily job? How much time you got? And our industry-leading sizes? <laughs> Don't get me started. I'm Brian, and I'm a window nerd for Western Window Systems. Contact us about your next project at www.commercial.com. Fellow nerds, welcome. Which leaders do you personally ad- admire? Who who do you read a lot of, or who do you follow? Most of my my. Uh, uh, professional, you know, probably influence, quite frankly, comes a lot from internal leaders I've observed over the years, whether they were my immediate leadership or other global level leaders. And since they're all internal, I I won't mention any names, but I admired them all for different reasons and styles. You know, some could have been tough type leaders and some could be more inspirational or servant approach, Mm -hmm. some very visionary. And I think it just goes to show that no two leaders are alike and there's probably no specific model or template, you know, for success. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing, you know, for a leader is, is you just have to be your own leader in a way that's true to you and, and who you are and what works best for the betterment, you know, of the team's success. I, I particularly have an affinity toward Richard Branson for some reason. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Virgin group. I think to me, you don't have a I ticket mean, waiting for the next, uh, the next right. space trip there. Do you? Yeah, he got, he got so much shade, you know, for going up to the, yeah. to, to the eco, you know, the, the um, atmosphere, but uh, right. you know, I'm thinking, you know what, it, why not, you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor. But yeah. for me, you know, again, I don't, I'm not well read on him. I'm more of a casual observer, but he seems mm-hmm. very genuine, obviously mm-hmm. successful in business. Yeah. But one of the things that caught my attention is he really enjoys the adventures and excitement of life mm-hmm. and family. So yeah. I think it's great that, that, um, you know, someone could be so successful in business, but also, you know, make sure that they enjoy their life. And that, I think it's just really cool. What about, let's go in the opposite direction, but let's go to a time when, when maybe you felt like your own leadership really did come up short and how you learned from that. Well, I think, you know, if I consider the, the times that I have fallen short, um, I think mostly probably why I feel that way is I, I probably waited too long to make a decision to act. Yeah. I think sometimes I've allowed my, you know, participatory consensus based style leadership, uh, and perhaps sometimes a tendency to be cautious to get in the way of acting sooner. Um, you know, an example of that might be delaying a decision to intervene in a certain area of the business that is underperforming. Or mm-hmm. uh, another example that I can think of uh, is, is waiting too long to expand the business or expand capacity to mm-hmm. capture market opportunity. Um, so, 
I think those are areas, you know, where, where I, I could think of a few times where perhaps I waited just too long um, to act. Not that I wasn't cognizant of the situation, but I was perhaps being more hopeful that it could resolve itself mm-hmm. or, right. or something like that. And, but I also realized that acting too soon can also not be good. So really timing is everything, you know, isn't it? And so, it's the most um, ethereal of qualities, right? It's the hardest to put your finger on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think those are, they're probably, you know, the, you know, when I consider some big, big events in the last five years, let's say, is probably it just waited too long to, to, to move more decisively. Well, one of the areas I know that you've been really decisive in is in your um, in your involvement and work with the architectural community, specifically with architects themselves. You guys got yeah. when you developed those videos about sure, uh, sure. life of an architect or be an architect. They were they're pretty neat. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that you really cultivate as you would, given uh, given what the company does. But what are some of the ways that you've used your leadership skills with that community? Yeah, well, I think, again, you know, first of all, you have to recognize if you're in the building products industry, architects are relevant matter and an important part of the process. Uh, I've seen some organizations, oftentimes during cost cutting, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so well, we don't need that or we don't need to focus on that. We can do it a more efficient way. But I think one of the the starting points that, that, that I've held steadfast the architectural community is is an important stakeholder in your success. And then you have to have a philosophy surrounding outreach that your goal is not to try to sell them your products. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to help them solve problems. Solving those problems might not always be your product. Um, architects are hungry for knowledge and assistance to solve increasingly you know, complex challenge. So how that plays out in, in terms of the leadership direction is, is, a, is a decades-long commitment to resources and a sales force that responds to architects. Also, a significant investment in engineering operations. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, we've, over the years, we've seen companies try to centralize architectural support services or decrease it. All the while, we've continued to build upon them. And I think this has differentiated, you know, our, our brand in, in that particular, uh, you know, area. Um, from a tactical standpoint, we've also developed like uh, technology tools. We have uh, applications, engineering tools that are that are that are web-based um, thermal simulations and, and overall, you know, simple things. You know, the bottom line is you you have to have strong, honest engineering support, and and that is what differentiates us, I believe. And then you mentioned the, you know, the, the videos and things like that. We we have a strong marketing focus on the architectural community. Those are the kinds of things you see about, you hear about, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the nuts and bolts of what I just described is what fuels a lot. Right. Those can draw people to you, but they will only stay with you if you're giving them the education. I'm a big believer in the power of brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that perhaps my leadership influence has had a, a larger impact on, on our organization in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, I mean, think about it. I don't know what kind of phone you use, but we'll use the Apple example. Mm-hmm. If you think about Apple, um, if you're an Apple enthusiast, you don't even think about 
the next model, right? Hey. You just know it's something you have to get. It's because they've developed a product that has certain features and qualities, and they've developed a brand aura that just is so powerful. So I don't know if this can be repeated in building products, but that's kind of our vision or that was our vision, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, but not just the brand. I mean, there are great companies out there and actually there are not such great companies out there that have a really incredible brand. I won't mention any names, but, <laughs> but they've got that, that piece, but they don't have the backing the back end, the, the real value propositions, and then they just kind of disappear. So what's, what's interesting about Japanese corporations is, and I've learned this through readings, is a, a Japanese corporation oftentimes has more products than they market versus sometimes Western organizations have mm. market more products than they right, have. Right. The cool thing about you know, YKKP is we have so much depth you know, of course, globally, but now increasingly domestically. And there's so much good to talk about. And so so that was part of our, our marketing approach in terms of the brand development was how do we, you know, show people what we have or what we're capable of and how do we engage architects? The, the I am an architect campaign, and I, I don't even want to call it a campaign anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a community. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the Facebook page is probably the, um, the uh, flagship Mm-hmm. you know, has over 60,000 followers, yeah. you know, which was, was unheard of in the building products industry. Right. So it's, it's been a great journey. That's great. And that, you know, also came about under your leadership. So pretty neat. And unfortunately, we're kind of getting to the end of our time here, Oliver, sure. but I hope you'll let me put you on the spot and ask you in about a year or so to come on back and we can talk about a couple Absolutely. more things. And Absolutely. that'll be great. And I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for giving us your time and for sharing your wisdom with all of our listeners and thanks again for being here it's been a pleasure thank you for having me and as summer comes to the end i'd like to thank everyone for joining us the podcast has gotten a great response from you all and i'm so appreciative we're going to continue them on into the fall and i'd like to thank our sponsor western window systems again as well and we'll see you next month